A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning at the Anxiety podcast with me, your host, Caroline Foran. This week we're talking about judgment. Now this is an enormous topic and I am joined by Dr. Sophie Mort, who I've had on several times. She's a clinical psychologist. She's absolutely brilliant. She's a Sunday Times bestselling author and we try to tease apart the complexity that is judgment, which is very much a part of anxiety. So what kinds of judgment we're likely to encounter, how we tell the difference, why we judge, like why we all do it, we all judge people, why we feel so afraid of judgment, what's at stake when we're judged, what's actually happening to us when we've definitely been judged, what's happening to our minds and bodies, how do we respond and what can we do when we find ourselves in situations when judgment is something we're experiencing. There's a lot in it and I hope you find it helpful, it was really an eye-opener for me and thank you as always for listening and for your reviews and feedback, I really appreciate it. Dr. Soph, I'm still calling him Dr. Soph, but that's your Instagram name, but it's Dr. Sophie Mort. Thank you so much for returning to owning it as one of my most adored guests. I just love the way you distill so much of what we need to understand, but sometimes don't. So thank you for coming back. Thank you so much for having me on again, more to the point. And congratulations. I think the last time we spoke, you were just coming out with your new book and it's just done. I mean, I'm seeing it everywhere. It's done so phenomenally well. Congratulations on that. How has that gone for you? Um, it's been quite extraordinary. I think there's something a real Britishness in me, which struggles to say I'm really pleased. <laughs> yeah, it's a British and an Irish thing for sure. All of my American listeners will be like, get it, girl. <laughs> you need to own that. Today, we're talking about something that I have wanted to explore in a little bit more detail on owning it, and that's judgment. So I think judgment is like the fear of judgment or the how we feel when we think we're being judged or when we are judged. And the aftermath of that is such a source of anxiety. Maybe it's not the kind of anxiety that's going to like stop you from getting out of your bed, but it can be there in a lot of people's lives a lot of the time and really just impact your day. Would you link judgment the fear of that with anxiety and people who are more anxiously prone maybe more fearful of judgment oh my goodness yes but I would I would link it to anxiety in most people and what I mean by that is I don't necessarily mean clinical levels of anxiety where you'd need to um, seek support but there are very few people who aren't affected by judgment and I would really love I aspire to be one of those people in the future um but I think this, the struggle with judgment is that many of us believe that if someone finds something in us that they perhaps don't agree with, that what that person is saying is you are a bad person as a whole. There is something fundamentally flawed about you. You are unlovable or unworthy or whatever it is that you fear uh, would be extremely dangerous in the world. And so, yes, I would definitely link judgment to anxiety in many people. And it's funny because you said, you know, maybe not the kind of anxiety where you can't get out of bed. But actually, 
people who really struggle, for example, with social anxiety, who fear that should they go into a crowd of people, they'll go red and this blushing will cause other people to judge them in such a way where they think they're stupid, um, that they shouldn't be in the group. That level of that level of fear of judgment will or can actually have people afraid to get out of bed. The fear of judgment is social anxiety really at the core of it. You mentioned there at the beginning how you would like long to be the kind of person who doesn't get impacted by it. But when you look at the way we've been programmed and designed, you'd almost need to be missing like a bit of your brain to not be impacted (laughs) by it. Is that true? (laughs) Yes. So um, it's interesting because I suppose, firstly, you're absolutely right. Um, One of the things and I think what we're going to have to do in this in this conversation is qualify what's the difference between legitimate feedback Mm -hmm. and critical judgment. I think that's, you know, uh, something that we need to think about. But generally, one of the reasons where we find feedback or judgment of any kind so painful is because when we hear it, there's a mismatch between who we hope we are seen as or who we hope we are and how other people see us. And this causes a threat response generally because we are so intricately intertwined with the people that we care about in our lives. So being judged by them feels incredibly threatening. So you're absolutely right that um, for most of us, we will feel threat. And when I say I hope to be someone who doesn't um, feel so anxious about it in the future, it's not that I imagine I can reach a point where I'd feel no threat response. It's more that, and I think this is the same for all psychological aspects in our lives, I hope to reach a point where that threat response can come up and instead of being overwhelmed by it, I may be able to say, okay, I recognize this is a moment of suffering for myself. What do I need to do in order to both care for myself and be present in this moment? The threat that you speak of when we were back in hunter-gatherer times was legitimate. Someone was going to judge you and be like, nah, you're out, you're out on your own, you're going to get eaten by lions. Fair enough that it would be such a scary thing. Why can't we shake that off? There's just so many hangovers that we're still dealing with that just pisses me off. It's like we live in a different world. Why can't our brains just be like, we're actually okay for the most part. It's okay, we can calm down. Well, I think I think there's something really interesting here, which is, yes, Evolutionary wise, we have a a brain that when we see anything that suggests that we could be thrown out of our social group, we go into threat mode. Because as you say, our ancestors, if they were outside of the group, wouldn't have had any protection from danger and they wouldn't have been able to share their resources, let alone procreate. But what's really interesting is that now we exist in a world where, yes, the tigers may not get you if you do something that the group disagrees with, but instead the media might. Or, you know, someone you know might. If I think about uh, growing up, having seen on the front of magazines um, pictures of generally women um, who were being shamed for, for example, cellulite or the way they looked in a bikini. um, This is a metaphorical head on a spike. Right. We may not be uh, under the threat of a tiger wandering into our camp anymore, but instead we do have other very clear things that terrify us and let us know if you do something that society judges as unacceptable, you could be publicly shamed. So I think it's an evolutionary thing that is still being um, maintained by multiple people in the world who gain a lot of joy from seeing other people struggle, suffer, or just be human. So I think there's that. We're all afraid of judgment. Like that's just inbuilt in all of us. But I also, I don't know if I'm right in saying, but we're all very capable of being the person judging someone else. Do they go hand in hand? Um, It's really interesting that often, yes, we're utterly fearful of judgment by others, but we're more than willing to get on the judgment train. And um, there's this really interesting thing that comes up when we feel threatened. When we feel like someone is doing better than us, when we feel like suddenly someone has become incredibly successful and there's something about their uh, success that makes us feel less successful. While part of us may fear being judged by them, what many of us do is we start undermining that successful person. So it's almost like they're and feel we feel like they're in a one up position and we're in a one down position. And so we have to bring ourselves back to even 
by saying something negative about them, like, oh, she's changed. Well, she's got a really big head these days. Can you believe it? Have you seen her? Mm-hmm. So, yes, being judged and judging others often do go hand in hand. And sometimes we are most fearful of the judgment of others when we know that deep down in ourselves, either unconsciously or consciously, that we are extremely judgmental. So we know that it is possible because we've done it to others. You mentioned as well about not wanting people who matter to us or who we care about to judge us. But like, I get really worked up if I think the bus driver thinks I was rude. Like, I don't like the way the doors open in the middle of the bus. And I'm like, can you hear me saying thank you when I get home? Because <laughs> I don't want you thinking I'm rude. I want the entire world to think yeah. well of me. So what's that about? So it's interesting. I'm laughing um, because I agree. I grew <laughs> up feeling the exact same way, but not everyone does feel like this. And I do think that that really does depend on upbringing. So let's say, for example, you grew up in a society, not just a family, who everything was about making sure that you looked good to the outside world. I don't necessarily mean in physical appearance. I mean that Mm -hmm. you came across as the good girl, right? You had good manners. um, You were never seen to do something immoral. You were always the helpful one. When that's ingrained in you early on, particularly if you were told off when you weren't like that or you saw other people being shamed for not being like that, it carries into your life, right? This determination to be the good girl stays with you. Mm-hmm. And so therefore it becomes, um, it can become that even someone you don't know must see you as that moral character, the one who says thank you, the one who's polite. And so every moment becomes another uh, opportunity, I suppose, to be judged, which can be incredibly stressful. Otherwise, though, it can also be the case that you might not have had that background at all, but you're experiencing um, anxiety or overwhelm in general right now. And it just means that you're kind of on high alert. Okay. And because you're on high alert, every moment, again, becomes an opportunity where you're like, oh, my God, are you judging me? Are you judging me? Are you judging me? So, yeah, I think... um, a lot of the time the issues at heart are our beliefs around who we are meant to be so what is good and bad beliefs around what judgment means about you and also the thinking styles that you engage in when you're going through life is it possible to define like what we mean by judgment because i think obviously someone's saying wow look at that fat cow that's obviously mm-hmm. such a blatantly horrible judgment yes. But I feel like a lot of the judgment that people fear or that really affects them, especially when it comes to their friends group, is the more subtle little kind of acid drops here and there is how I would describe it. Is gaslighting a form of judgment? I've never really wrapped my head fully around gaslighting. So gaslighting in general, and I hope I'm not about to butcher the description, is more that let's say you and I were talking and you told me that uh, an experience of your world, if I was then to tell you that your experience of the world was totally wrong, And you're like, but look, black is black. And I'm like, no, black is white. And I continuously um, deny your reality and make out that you're imagining it. That's gaslighting. So that's something slightly different. There is also judgment in it, but it's a slightly different psychological process. What I was thinking as you were talking is, though, I know that you said, um, can we define judgment? I suppose it's uh, the beliefs of others around something you've done. And judgment can be positive, right? If you were to make me a cake, you can tell I'm hungry. Um, (laughs) I would probably make lots of judgments. Firstly, wow, she's kind for making me a cake. Wow, she's really skilled in the kitchen. And oh my goodness, this is delicious. And I think this is an issue is that we've become, we're we're living in a, um, a society that feels like it needs to be perfect at all times. And therefore, both judgment, as in the views of others about us, and feedback, which can be constructive, right? So let's say I tasted your cake and I was like, oh, next time, I'd love it if you tried it this way instead. We've started to see this as um, always negative. Mm-hmm. Because if we believe that we have to be perfect, then any or already knowing, you know, that kind of all knowing, um, if we believe those things, then the judgment of anyone else is essentially seen as um, they think I did it wrong. Mm, okay. And so I think there's a scale of it. And I think those acid drops that you say within friendships can be particularly painful because they're so veiled. And I know what you mean about gaslighting there, but I think we're talking more about um, like passive aggressive comments. Yes. I'll give you an example. So I 
obviously share a lot of my life on social media. And I know it's unfortunately par for the course that the risk you're facing is, is judgment and attack basically in verbal form. And I was sharing, as my listeners will know, my postpartum experience and very controversial topic is breastfeeding. I decided after a week or so, I was not feeling good mentally. I was really overwhelmed that I wouldn't be able to continue breastfeeding because I just felt like it was too much for me. And I needed to kind of share the load with my husband and and just make sure I was looking after myself. And I went on social media to share this. For me, sharing has always been a coping mechanism and I crave reassurance, but also wanting to normalize it for anyone else who is like really being hard on themselves for feeling like they're failing or giving up. But someone sent me a message and they were like, I'm really sorry, or I'm really sad for you that you couldn't get the help you need to do the best for your baby. And it was so layered. And this again is someone who I didn't know at all. And if I had to come from someone who I was close to, it would have destroyed me. But I was fragile enough the time that it did kind of really hurt. And another similar example is unfortunately in definitely the UK and Ireland, there's these horrible websites that exist, these forums where people go on to just tear the arse out of people who have any sort of profile or whatever. And to my own detriment, I found myself on this page and I started reading everything and there was a comment that really stood out to me and it was like, let's hope she never inflicts herself on another child by becoming a mother again. I would love your thoughts there, like to unpack that and what's happening there. What's from the person judging to how I'm feeling, to the impact it has on me. What do you think in your expert opinion is that all about? Well, so firstly, I'm really sorry that you read that. Um, I think that's something slightly different to judgment. I think that's trolling. Okay. Um, I think that's bullying language, right? Like it's, it's people, what scares me, I know it's a form of judgment, but judgment comes in so many um, shades as we've talked about. But what scares me is that kind of generations ago, we only had to fear the judgment or millennia ago, the judgment of your tribe, but a few decades ago, the judgment of your community. Now you can be judged in any direction at any time of day and night by anyone in the world who has access to the internet. And we're in a period of outrage, right? People love to be outraged, it seems. And I think that is uh, fostered often by the media who will uh, share very um, polarized stories. But people also feel that it's their right to um, get onto the internet and criticize the people that they see on there. And sometimes, absolutely, you know, there are conversations that we need to be having Um, critical analysis of things that, for example, are happening in politics in the world. But I'm not talking about those examples. I'm talking about seeing someone talking about their lived experience, such as breastfeeding. Uh, It feels like everyone now thinks, well, I have an opinion on this. And so even though I don't know that person, I should share it. And I have a platform in which to do that. And so kind of online bullying really is on the rise. And that is what scares me. I see a lot of people in my clinic who have lived through the fallout of um, strangers just tearing them to shreds and other people then seeing those comments and getting on board. And it scares me because it's going to take a long time for people to figure out and the internet to figure out how to protect anyone using social media or online spaces. So that's kind of the first bit. Um, I think that why people, why do people do this on the internet? I mean, I can't, I can't really tell you. It's safer for them, I suppose. Yes. Everyone um, has their own reasons. We know that the online dis- disinhibition effect arises, which means that when people go online, they feel uh, more able to say things they wouldn't say to a person to their face. That uh, for some people being online almost makes them feel like they're in a virtual reality world and therefore whatever they say doesn't really have consequence because once they log off, it wasn't real anyway. And um, I do think that, do you remember we said, I said a moment ago about sometimes when we see people who make us feel a certain way, often envious or small, we um, attack them in order to feel better about ourselves. I do think that the internet is really bringing out a lot of that. That's really rampant, I find, in unfortunately like motherhood spheres. So I have another podcast called Stretch Marks and it's all about the the experience of mothers and trying to normalize all of that. And we did some 
Q and A's and got some, did some polls and everything. And what was really interesting to me was the positive ways that people have stretched since having a baby. Mm. And a lot of people said they've become a lot more, like have a lot more empathy, less likely to judge. But then at the same time, our insights into the experience of judgment went through the roof when they became parents. And it's a time in your life where you're never going to be more judged for your every decision, whether it comes to sleep, how you feed everything. And it just seemed to me to be like such a jarring thing that we become mothers and so much more like, oh, I see that woman and I see what she's going through, but I'm going to tear her down. The only way I could comfort myself when I got a message like that about like, I'm sorry, you couldn't do the best for your child was that they needed to know that what they did was right for them by questioning what I do yeah absolutely defending their position it's such a weird way to go about reassuring ourselves but we all seem to do it like we've all been having the conversations like yeah well like I mean I didn't really like her dress and it's because we feel bad about ourselves why do we do this (laughs) I yeah I think we see again I think we grew up seeing other people do it and I'm laughing not because it's funny I'm laughing because it's horrifying and it's um, ongoing but there was something that you just said oh yes so I recently got a puppy and there is a reason I'm telling you this. I don't just want to talk about you this. But it was unbelievable how every interaction with a new person um, led to uh, comments about what I could be doing differently, but generally better. You know, as in, it wasn't really like, oh, have you tried this? Because um, I'm curious. It was more like, oh, you do it that way, do you? Interesting. And I was really, I don't have children. And um, I was so fascinated by if it's happening like this with a puppy and everyone has their own ideas around how this should be done and everyone is quite judgmental I can't even imagine what it must be like if you've brought a human into the world because the amount of ways to raise a child and to raise a puppy but to raise a child are so numerous and everyone says, do it this way, not that way. No, no, that's wrong. Do it this way, not that way. That there's a constant feeling that you're being judged by others and that you're potentially failing. So it's it's interesting because when I think about the effects of judgment, as a psychologist, I'm thinking about the real judgment, right? So the stuff we're talking about now where people are literally saying to you, I don't like the way you've done that. Uh, you shouldn't do it again. Um, And they're genuinely openly critical. And then there's other forms of judgment where we are um, anticipating judgment that isn't there, right? A lot of anxiety is around anticipating things that aren't quite, that aren't there yet. And it's, it's difficult because we're talking about such a big topic that is so layered, that has one label, (laughs) but that is so pervasive, um, Yeah, it's very hard to get a direct answer for any of these things. And not everyone, sorry, the reason I went down the puppy route is not everyone is doing it um, because they have some malicious intent. And not everyone is doing it to justify their own previous behavior. Some people genuinely do this thinking that they're being helpful. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that um, with the puppy, for example, uh, when people had lots of ideas around it, I think they were genuinely trying to help me. But by this point, I'd had so much judgment in other areas. I felt like, oh, my God, this is more judgment. This is more people saying you're doing a bad job and should do it this other way. And it was very hard by that point for me to separate out, Okay, which bit is actual judgment, which bit might be worth listening to and which bit can I totally ignore? Because I was in a full state of just like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah, I think identifying judgment is also in itself a source of anxiety when it comes to maybe like closer friends where they say something and it's usually probably like over text where I think meaning can be a little bit lost. And sometimes I get so anxious thinking like, am I imagining that or is there a little bit of judgment in there or if you really want to give them the benefit of the doubt? Is it possible to identify judgment without just being like, sorry, what's that about? Are you being judgmental? Because no one wants to admit to being judgmental. No, it's true. But and I think this goes back a little bit to your comment about gaslighting, isn't it? That feeling of am I imagining? this yeah I I think that the thing that's really tricky here is that's gonna uh depend on who you're talking to right so let's say so I used to experience panic attacks and there's no question that during that time when I was experiencing panic attacks um I saw judgment but I don't just mean feedback judgment I mean critical I saw I'd look in people's eyes and think you think I'm mad. Oh yeah. You think I'm insane. Been there. (laughs) Right. So everything I saw around me confirmed my worst fear. If they were texting me, I definitely think, 
oh, they invited me to the party, but did they really want to do that? Because they don't probably don't want their mad friend to be at the party, <laughs> right? So it's really hard because at that point, I saw what I feared. Honestly, I really mean everywhere. And now I'm really happy to say I don't have panic attacks, but there'll be periods I go through where I am anxious and I will start to see it again. But what's really hard is there is a reality that particularly, and I don't know what you think about this in Ireland, but particularly I think um, uh, like in the circles I kind of grew up in, in London, um, passive aggression and cloaked aggression, right? Cloaked negativity really is everywhere. Yeah. When I was growing up, like if someone was to say, oh, I like your dress. If they would say, oh, I like your dress. You'd be like, I think they like my dress. I know. And do you think it's more of a female thing as well? Yes. Yeah, I do think I do think it is. It tends to be gendered um, because of the way that we're socialized. But um, I think there's five different ways of saying I like your dress and probably four of them mean I hate your dress. I think it's very difficult to separate out which is my thinking style and which is really that this other person is jabbing at me. And I do think there are two things that you can do. One is, the first one is to start recognizing the thinking styles that plague you each day. And what I mean by that is, do you often jump to conclusions? I take a small amount of information and then run towards the finish line of what that might mean, ignoring kind of all the rest of the information. Do you catastrophize? So take one piece of information and assume that it means that everything is bad. Do you mind read? So assume that you know what someone else is thinking, particularly, for example, if they're pulling a face that seems like they look sad or something. Do you mentally filter? This is where you only pay attention to the information that is negative. So recognize your thinking style and start recognizing where they pop up and challenge those thinking styles as they arise. So that's the first thing. That's kind of the is it me part. And then the next part goes back to Brené Brown, which is, I just think this is so simple and so brilliant. And this is asking, what is the story I'm telling myself right now? So let's say someone says something like, oh, liked your dress last night. And you're like, ooh, is she being, I'm giving a very uh, banal example. But if you're wondering, is that an acid drop? You'd be like, the story I'm telling myself right now is that she actually hated my dress last night and she hates me. You'd be like, Okay, I'm going to check this out. So you look for the evidence for and against that, but maybe you'd even say to my friends, your friend, that sounded sarcastic, haha. You jokingly put it back and you check out your theory with that friend and you give them an opportunity to explain themselves. Sometimes I feel like people want there to be a subtle enough hint of judgment, but they're never going to own up to it. But I think, that, I think though that in those moments that when you reflect it back to someone, yeah, they might not say, oh yeah, actually I was being a bitch. I may, they, might not, they might not do that. But what you're doing is you're just, you're pointing out, I saw that. Yes, okay. And I think the people who genuinely didn't mean it as an acid drop, I love this expression. <laughs> um, I think the people who genuinely didn't mean it as an acid drop were like, oh my God, no, that's not what I meant. I genuinely loved it. Think about when we talked about X and Y, right? I think that you do, you can... Um, I think you can find out who's who's being honest in that moment. Mm-hmm. But for the people who are not necessarily being direct, I think you will find that some people go, actually, no, sorry, I hated it. I think there are people who would be direct. Um, but for the other people, there's just this little, I see you, I see what you're doing, and it's not okay. It's almost like a boundary, right? I'm not okay with that. I see you. And you carry on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Do you think one of the hardest things about judgment or the reason why it's maybe so scary or carries so much weight or impacts us so much is that when you said they're like, oh, you don't like my dress, you don't like me. Like they're so absolute, our judgments, like like impressions. If I go into a meeting with a company, for example, and they get a bad impression of me and they make a judgment, they've colored my entire life and my entire yes. personality that way. And nothing I can do or say, even though they've only been with me for one minute and maybe they got me on a bad day. There's so much weight to it. Oh my goodness. Yes. I really, you've nailed something that's extremely important right? We hear, I don't like your dress as I think you're a terrible person. Not all of us. Again, some people say, oh, you don't like my dress. That's, that's okay. We don't have the same taste. We can both coexist with different tastes in the world and that not be a reflection of who I am as a person. But for the rest of us, particularly when we're feeling anxious, yes, we think they're saying something fundamental about who we are. And that can often send us into a shame response, Right. So I am bad. This very early way of um, of thinking about the world. Um, and so one of the things you can do in that moment is firstly, zoom out. Right. So re- remember, OK, they criticized my clothes, not me. There is a difference between a dress someone dislikes and someone disliking me. So it's similar to um, I don't know if you've ever uh, made a mistake. And then someone's kind of caught you on it, you know, like said, oh, that thing you said really upset me. Guilt is where we say, oh, that thing I did wasn't great. I, this is the way I'm going to make amends for this thing. Shame is where we say, oh my God, I'm the worst person ever. My whole personality is flawed. Mm -hmm. So you need to zoom out and see the thing that we're talking about as separate to our entirety. And um, it's really interesting because, you know, in feedback in jobs, We know that generally if people get more feedback, not feedback every day that they don't want, that's um, micromanaging. But if you have routine feedback in the workplace that is constructive, generally you get better at your job, right? Because you have 360 feedback that helps you know, okay, that thing didn't go so well. This thing went great. I'll, I'll work on this. But if we get feedback that was unexpected or that felt hypocritical, either because it was or because we're feeling anxious, one of the things, simple things we can do is not only kind of label the emotion we're feeling to manage it or engage in a coping skill, but it is to bring to mind something else that we do in the world that we feel we are good at and that we are proud of. By doing this, we remind ourselves that we are a three-dimensional human being and that that aspect that we've had feedback about isn't our entire personality. Okay. And in this instances where I know it's not everyone's experience, but for me on that horrible trolling website where it is very obviously plainly people deciding who you are as a person and attacking it. I mean, I was physically shaking like a leaf. What's happening to our bodies then? Yeah. So we tend to go into a fight, flight, freeze response. So it tends to be that our heart starts to race, our breathing gets shallow, um, blood kind of gets sent from the heart down into the limbs, which means that tension builds in our arms and our legs. We're kind of preparing to run or to fight, or if it's, or depending on our past experiences, or if we feel more extreme, we might go into the freeze response, for example, where actually it feels like we're shutting down. Um, I think what's particularly painful, and I think this needs to be noted, um, and maybe I'm wrong, but what's particularly painful about what you saw on that website is it probably tapped into your deepest fear. Yes. So let's say someone says, I don't like your dress. I might be annoyed if someone says, I don't like your dress. But if someone uh, targets something that I'm already concerned about, which what parent isn't concerned about doing a good job for their child, right? If they tap into something that is deep fear of mine, it could shatter my fear because I might think rather than that's your judgment, oh my goodness, what if they're right? So that's why the threat response that you experienced, I imagine, was so intense. And also then on top of that, so on top of that, there's this feeling of other people are reading this, right? This is why the internet is such a painful place when it comes to judgment. People feel 
Uh, like they can say whatever they want. It's not just feeling like the whole world is looking at you. You know, when you're a teenager in school and someone judged you or shamed you, it's just like it was a room full of people and it felt like, oh my God, everyone thinks I'm the worst or I'm an idiot or, you know. Yeah. Because on the internet, it really is the case or can be the case. Oh my goodness, there are people in other countries talking about me negatively. Um, and some people will just get on board with it because they love trolling, right? Some people do genuinely enjoy that. So firstly, you go into this threat response. If it triggers a deep fear of yours, then it feels even more overwhelming because part of you worries that it might be true. And um, I think there are things that we can do in terms of the internet. I think that is reporting sites that uh, for abuse, but also, um, so there's the root of actually like reporting. And then there's this other root of boundaries. So one of the things we're talking about here in judgment is if someone is repeatedly judgmental in your life, the person whose acid drops are clearly judgmental. I do think we need to instill a boundary with them. So the first boundary is that was that meant to be was that meant to be criticism? You know, that kind of I see you. Then there's having a direct conversation such as um, when we had when we were speaking the other day. And X was said, it made me feel why I'd rather we didn't do that in the future. Is that okay? So having a boundaries conversation. If that isn't held, then you basically have to find a way of uh, or deciding what you're going to do with that friend in your life. Are you going to see them again or only in certain contexts? And this is the same for the internet, right? So the first thing is, um, is there something I can do about this as in reporting this for abuse? But then the boundary is actually, I'm going to never, ever look on that. Yeah again and I know um I know that's easier said than done but for example um and I know it's not the same but I'm sure you'll have a similar situation when my book came out at first I was honestly religiously reading the, re the reviews I now don't I don't look ever and I remember on something like night three I read a review about the audiobook and it said I sounded bossy and like um, I sounded bossy and controlling and was just talking about the school of the bleeding office, something like that. There were three things um, and it absolutely floored me. I had poured my soul into this book and one of my, my, one of my things I really hope or I've really worked on is making sure that I am never judging people actually for the way that they show up in the world. Cause I think we can explain um, you know, if you're feeling anxious, rather than shaming you feeling anxious or telling you you must do this and this, I hope to um, be the compassionate person who says you can come to me and talk about this. If you want to be supported to, you know, think about how to do things differently, I'm your gal. If you just want to be distracted, I'm your gal. Um, I really, you know, poured my soul into this book to make sure that people didn't feel like I was being holier than thou. And I read it and it just took me down. And afterwards I realized <laughs> most people who, for example, take time to write reviews on things are the people who have an ax to grind, maybe fairly, right? Maybe the thing that you've given them isn't something that they like, but very rarely um, think, okay, what's your favorite book or a favorite? A favorite book. Okay. Well, I've just read a book called Idol by Louise O'Neill, which is so good. Amazing. Did you go onto a book review website and write about how fantastic you thought this book was? No. Right, exactly. So when I think about all my favorite writers, I have never taken the time to write a positive review about their things. I hold them in such high regard. I talk to my friends about them, but I don't put it on the internet. Mm -hmm. People who tend to write reviews are upset, right? Or annoyed. And like I say, for good reason or not. And so really putting a boundary around uh reading reviews as in for me it's a just I can't right even if they're positive it doesn't it it can send me too high up that then I crash so for me reading these reviews going on their website has to be a hard no because I simply know that the emotional fallout for me will be too much we've all heard the phrase what other people think of you is none of your business and I just think it's so much easier said than done. Fair enough. You could maybe try and get there with strangers on the internet. But for someone yeah. who's listening, who maybe is like, like, that's not my world. I'm not on the internet or whatever. And maybe it's within their friends. And if you hear like, oh, well, someone, someone was saying something about you, even though it's like, okay, boundary, I don't want to know because of the emotional fallout that's going to happen. Is it also very much part of our need to protect ourselves, to gather information about what threats are out there, to know what's being said, to feel like we can almost yeah. armor ourselves against it. But 
nothing good ever comes from that either. Yeah, you make such a wonderful argument, you know, about guarding ourselves against threat. If you think about criticism being a form of threat and go back to our ancestors, that first piece of criticism is like being told there's a tiger in the forest. Now, you're not just going to say, oh, don't tell me anything more about the tiger. <laughs> like, where is the tiger? What exactly kind of, you know, what kind of tiger is it? You want to equip yourself with as much information so that you can protect yourself going forwards. But you're, yeah, the issue is nowadays getting more and more information sometimes just makes us feel worse and actually paralyzed, right? Unable to do something. I think, again, it's gray area as all things are with psychology, which I know makes my answer very unsatisfying. But let's say a friend of yours says, oh, did you know that um, blah, blah, blah was bitching about you the other day? You have an opportunity to say, do you know what? I don't want to know about that, which is totally fine. That could be your boundary. It will certainly nip it in the bud. Or you can say, I do want to know about it. Find out as much as you need to know and then make a judgment on what you're going to do next, right? I think if you're going to hear that and it's going to paralyze you, you're going to have to go, the next thing you do is look after yourself. But maybe after that, it's a case of, okay, I have to go and speak to that person. Maybe it's a case of, I've heard that she's bitched about me too many times. So actually now I think that friendship has to be over. One of the things that many of us are extremely bad at is confrontation. Oh, I am just allergic. <laughs> it's, it's horrifying, right? It feels incredibly, it feels incredibly scary, I think, for a lot of us. Not for everyone. We all have a friend who's extremely confrontational uh, for good, you know, for better or for worse. Um, and I really think that uh, certainly for me, one of the best life skills I have cultivated, and I really mean cultivated because I don't, it doesn't come naturally to me. It terrifies me. I have to practice. I honestly, if I decide I'm going to have a conversation with someone, I have to practice. I have to write down what I'm going to say, why I'm going to say it, what I want. Then I have to practice it in front of the mirror. I'll go over it, you know, a million times, but the real skill that I really am grateful that I spent time learning is how to have difficult conversations. It's such a necessary life skill. It really is. It really is. And, and I think the reason it's so important is because, again, there are people in the world who are judging us and we do need to put boundaries around it. And sometimes there are people in the world who aren't judging us in the way that we think they are. And the rest of it is happening in our thinking styles. Right. And so finding the way in between involves addressing what we think is happening to get a clear picture and make a plan going forwards with the people who are attacking us on the internet that's a different story because there are often many more there's often many more of them than the people who are in your social circle when you talk about the filtering and the thinking style yes it might be your thinking style you might be sort of sometimes imagining that someone is throwing shade at you or sending little acid drops your way but does it matter whether they are or not? What matters more is, well, actually how it makes you feel. And if, even if they mean well, and even if they don't mean to be judgmental or, or hurtful, if the constant feeling you get, not with everybody, with one person, then that's still a relationship you need to question. But I guess if, if you're thinking that way about everyone in your life, you kind of have to look at the common denominator is like, well, no, everyone can't hate you that, you know, that can't be true. You've actually, uh, wandered into a very gray area <laughs> and what I mean by that is absolutely let's let's start with the first level right if it isn't everyone if it's one person that you're continuously feeling this way around um it you you probably do have to address that relationship so that's the first level but the reason I say it's a gray area is because there are some people in our life who remind us of other people in our lives, right? And now we're going into kind of perhaps a bigger topic than is um, for this podcast. But sometimes one person will bring out a certain feeling in us because of our history and not necessarily because of what they're doing. And this is what makes it very difficult to, to give a blanket statement. Yes, you're right. If that person is constantly leaving you feeling X, then you've got to do something about the relationship. And it's because the, uh, the way you feel is more important than what they're doing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm giving you so many huge gray topics. It's great. It's just, um, I think that I've been concerned a little bit um, with uh, this idea of the, there's a, it's a very hard conversation to have. I have had people come into my clinic who've seen on Instagram that 
it's not the intention that matters, it's the outcome that matters. But actually, you know what, if someone genuinely isn't intending to, to make you feel upset, like genuinely isn't, but there's something about them that you end up feeling upset anyway, sometimes we have to look inwards, right? Is there something about me? Okay, let's, let's go back to the earliest example we've already talked about. Let's say someone's incredibly successful and you go away always feeling like a failure. It could be because they're doing something that leads you to feel like a failure, or it could be because their success leads you into comparison mode and you always end up feeling terrible. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So you kind of need to look at it like really holistically and like you said, go through those questions with yourself. Is it possible, you know, I'm just in a, I'm feeling like awful because of compare and despair. The answer, I suppose, at the end is the outcome, I suppose, is always the same. One, attend to your emotional state, right? Label the emotion, do something soothing. Mm-hmm. Potentially create a space so that that emotional state can um, settle for a while and then ponder what was going on. Okay. Then do something either within the friendship or for yourself, it's probably going to be both. Something that came up a lot when we did our questions on our other podcast was like a mother-in-law saying something like, I wouldn't have done it that way with my children. Oh, I would directly address that. And what I mean by that is that's very clear. So I think um, it's interesting because um, this, you know, earlier I said, what's hard is this is a massive topic. Yeah. When someone says, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. That is non-negotiably judgmental. Yes. (laughs) That is not something you are not imagining it. Uh, They are clearly saying I'm judging you for that so in that scenario actually I would again have a practice statement and it depends on who that person is but I would have a practice statement saying the last few times we met there were a few statements such as oh I wouldn't have done it like that I assume that you're wanting to be helpful but I was I was just wondering if in the future we could we could have no more of those comments you know we could stop comments like that now, if you feel like that person is someone you can't say that to and they won't listen, it's possible that um, you may, when they say that, have to walk away. So you walk straight out of the room or you do something that just calms you down, but also sends a signal as actually I'm not OK with that kind of comment. So what I really hope is that when we're talking about these things, I'm coming across clearly in the sense of when judgment is clear like that I am not saying you're imagining it no 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 not at all you are not imagining it there are real scenarios where people love to say oh you do it that way I wouldn't have done it like that Mm -hmm. um and it's just straight up um passive aggression and in that one I just say no more of that thank you even if it's too hard to be like listen I don't like what you said there a more subtle I see you I hear you I've noted that my experience if someone says something like that and I say nothing. I walk away being so annoyed at myself that I'm like, you've just let that person away with it. In the same way, like I had a conversation with a, a neuroscientist on my last episode and he kept giving up the example of like when you're driving in your car and you're stuck in traffic and someone blasts you with the horn, they didn't realize that you couldn't go or something. And, and like, actually you're in the right and they're blasting you as if you're an idiot on the road. The affront of that is so frustrating. It's really hard to walk away from that. So I think it is really important to have some little arsenal of tools to be able to give us our power back in those situations. Also, I think when it comes to the example that you're giving, what I would, this is uh, in the example where it's someone else's parent, for example, one thing you can do is alert your partner or whoever, you know, the child of that person to the pattern and actually recruit them to just give that warning shot, right? So they're like, mom, yeah, and that's enough. And they have a conversation quietly when everyone's, you know, with that person around, you know what, going forward, this is cool, that's not so great. And they can pitch it to that person's kind of uh, needs. So I think often we deal with judgment alone. And I think that we don't have to, particularly if you're in a partnership or your friends are there. Like growing up, I'll give a personal example. I was in a triad of friends, right? So three people. Mm -hmm. And often um, two people would be closer at any one time so tough it's really tough and it takes actually recognizing as a group when we do this it makes the other person feel left out and so we need to as a group figure out how to work together and how to protect each other and I've seen other friendship groups where one person will always chip away at you know like um nitpick at another one in the group and the friendship group decided as a whole actually we're all going to talk about this and when that person does that we'll say hey you just did that thing again So in an ideal world, I'd like to say 
if you can put in a boundary around that behavior, either say something or walk away and get other people, if you can, to also be on board with you to support you going forward through it. Oh, there's so much more. I feel like all of the different things we've touched on, like passive aggression or gaslighting, they all could be series of their own, but you've given such a wonderful overview of just helping understand what's happening with judgment a little bit more like where it's coming from how it makes us feel and crucially how we can move through it when we experience it because that's the hard part i can't thank you enough for joining me back on owning the anxiety podcast thank you so much dr self thank you so much hope to see you soon bye What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.